Hello and welcome to the Zwift SBS podcast. Last year, I rode the most kilometres I've ridden in more than a decade, and a fair portion of it was in the garage on Zwift. Mainly because it's fun, the bonus was I got fitter in the process. Zwift had me connected with friends from all over the world who I hadn't ridden with for ages. Friends from Dubai, London, Wellington, Perth, Sydney, even friends in Melbourne, all on the same ride. It also got my competitive spirit going, so I made the most of the structured workouts in an effort to get the better of my mates on our weekly meetups. The biggest debate often been where to ride. My favourite's the Champs-Élysées, dreaming about winning the final stage of the tour, the Watopia Mountain Loop, I love the one up to the radio tower, and the RGV course in France, simply because it feels really fast. And I'm enjoying exploring the new Japanese-inspired Makuri Islands. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Get a free seven-day trial, no strings attached, at Zwift.com. Right on. Bonjour, 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 and uh, welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, before we start, an eventful podcast, uh, I reckon. Uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral, or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Joining me, it's Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave, this morning? A bit hangover by what well, happened? Well, how do you unpack it? Good, good morning, firstly. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning <laughs> to everyone. That's how you unpack it first. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that is how you unpack it. But look, yeah, firstly, I guess at the very top, you just say disappointing for everyone. Yeah. Firstly and foremost, for the for the stars that we lose yesterday and for, for the Aussie fans, we lose two of their biggest Aussie hopes, which mm -hmm. is really a shame. So we're feeling for them. But yeah, let's, let's get into the chaos of it. And... Yeah. Was it a normal stage of the tour, or or do we need to look further at it, or do we or do we just say, hey, it's par for the course? Yeah, absolutely. So let's recap what happened. Uh, we were all set for a sprint finish. We were all set for a Caleb success uh, yesterday in Pontivy, and chaos happened even before the finish. So the, the whole stage felt a bit chaotic, starting with a crash from. Gian Thomas. Yeah, I was going to say, we need to actually go back. Absolutely. Sort of 50 kilometres, don't we? Almost. That one was that one was weird because it was a bit of a nothing crash. And it seems as though G maybe didn't have his hands on the handlebars sort of tightly and they mm -hmm. hit a speed bump and bang, he went down. And that happens. Took down Robert Gessink. Guessing but Ma Martin out. went down as well. So Martin. Ma did, did Martin go down first or G went down first? Yeah, that, actually, that's a good question. I shouldn't presume. And I've, I have sort of looked at the reruns, but I haven't looked at it in slow-mo. And, and it's, I think it's, the camera angle was from the front. So yeah. it's, it's almost impossible to see. And you know what? That's actually irrelevant. But, he, but it brings a debate that the, the guys had in the commentary last night about uh, Geraint Thomas. He's yeah. prone to fall. Robbie, yeah, Robbie and, said that. And, and, and the point where Robbie was making, it's not a coincidence, it, or, or, or is it? Is it just unlucky? Ah, oh, gee, I think <laughs> it's borderline for me. But Robbie made a good point that, you know, when it's the start of the tour and you're racing around Brittany where there's... Where there's a lot of road furniture. I mean, a lot of France has a lot of road furniture, mm -hmm. especially in the smaller sort of roads, yeah. doesn't it? Um, but you've got to be switched on. And he, look, he was at the front of the race. I, I think I think it's probably too soon to critique him. To be fair, the guys the guys down on the deck and yeah. they're saying, "Well, mate, you've <laughs> it's crashed your fault. a lot. It's your fault." <laughs> yeah, I don't mean, complain. It's your fault. You can, you, but you, you can't help but analyse and say. But I mean, Tony Martin's crashed a lot, yeah. and as you said to me. 
I don't know if I've seen the guy without bandages on ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he has crashed a lot. And and look, maybe it was Martin that came down first. We'd, you know, but he was knows. setting the pace for a stage that was then becoming even more chaotic. Yeah. Uh, because further down the line, uh, so just to recap how he went, there was an intermediate sprint. Yep. And that intermediate sprint pretty much launched the finish. The intermediate sprint was, what, 15, 16K from the end? Yeah, maybe, and he, yeah, maybe a touch more even. And it didn't, it didn't let up then, though, did it? Yeah, exactly. They went on the full gas from mm. then. So, but then the roads were really, there were a lot of corners and wet and, and tiny. And, and they, they all knew it. Yeah, they all knew they it. All so knew everyone it. got really worried about and stressed. Mm. So they were the battle to be at the front. And then Roglic... For whatever reason, we saw Roglic go over the ditch. Yep, yep. Um, he he yeah. hit the, the wheel for, from Colbrelli. Well, I hit what handlebars apparently. Yeah, Colbrelli. Okay. They hit handlebars according to Colbrelli. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, I was very lucky to not crash myself. And he also said, look, I don't believe I caused the crash. It was just a, you know, where everyone was trying to move up. And he said, I threw my arm really just out of sort of the adrenaline of the moment, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think more so of shock, because I think he, he got he's been criticised a little bit, Cole Brally, and people have saying the keyboard warriors. And can I just say, either you've got X-ray vision, keyboard warriors, to be able to tell that Cole Brally caused Roglic to yeah. crash. It is impossible. <laughs> I don't care what you say. I get it. it it's great where we want people to have opinions, and and it fuels our sort of the coverage in our sport but come on there is no way known you can say that Cole Brelly did or didn't cause it you can't say he didn't cause it you can't say he did cause it is my point it's an unfortunate accident and again it goes on what we say that it's just the the tension the anxiety and and there's a lot at stake it's the biggest bike race in the world It, it happens and it's just the fact that Roglic is a man who could win the race yeah if he was a if he was a bot rider we'd barely heard of that would be a nothing discussion mm-hmm. wouldn't it it'd be just like oh yeah some guy from wanty go bear crashed yeah, absolutely let's listen from primo's roglic yeah luckily uh we we saw i think uh is everything uh still in one piece so nothing broken uh yeah i'm uh, i'm all open all around uh, but uh let's say not the best day for us but uh yeah we go on uh, still uh, we can continue it was a uh, Super stressful uh, final, definitely, with uh, all these roads. Yeah, not the best day for us, but we continue. So that was Primo's Roglic. After that, they went on the chase to yep. truck to go back to, uh, to to the peloton. And then another crash happened. And this one is, is very sad Ooh, for us yeah. because I mean, you and I were watching the race together. Mm. And then we, the moment we realized it was Jack Hegg on the deck. And it didn't look good because there's one thing with cyclists. When there's a crash, if they stand up straight away, it's either total madness, uh, but it's usually a better sign. It's usually a good sign if they do. Yeah. But yeah. Jack didn't stand up straight away. No. And he, that he was worrying move. from the start. When they don't move initially. And I think he tried to stood up and his, his, his teammate just put him down again. Yeah. Yeah. That was... Um, no, it was sad. It was sad because it's and just really uh, disappointing for them and and you know months and months of hard training and that was a that was a really um, tight left hand turn. Um, the thing is, the riders knew it. They knew they knew what was coming, and 
I know there's some criticisms already, you know, the voices, it's like they're, they're, they're multiplying from social media and and probably some sections of the, the, the peloton as well. Not so much, not so many riders. I haven't heard anything yet. Maybe it's out there, but saying this is crazy. This shouldn't, the course shouldn't be like this. There should be more accountability or, you know. I think if you want to go back and watch the last 10, 20 years of the Tour de France and the first five days, you might be surprised because there is always a lot of crashes. So I don't believe there's a quick fix. I don't believe, yes, it was a technical finale, but they all knew. And I'm not criticising the riders at all. I'm not saying they knew so it's their fault. They should have taken it easier. It is just simply bike racing. And, you know, we have to accept that. This is a sport that is as brutal as it is sometimes. And the highs are super high and sometimes you lose the biggest stars in, in the event. But if you're Jack Hegg, you wake up this morning uh, with pain anywhere, where pretty mm. much everywhere in your body. Uh, do you take this as a lesson? Do you learn from it? How do you switch from <sighs> being the rider that goes, my tour is done and I'm uh, finished, to yeah. okay, focusing from next year yep. or from, from what's He'll next? He'll maybe learn something from it. I'm not sure if there's a lot to learn because at the end of the day, again, we can all have our opinion on, say, that particular crash. Um, it might have just been a bit of bad luck. He might have just gone, him or someone else, in fact, might have gone into the corner too quick. So Jack might not have been his fault at all. Someone slid in front of him and you have nowhere to go at 55 kilometres an hour or 60 kilometres an hour. It was tight left-hander. But you can, you can there's tight left-handers all the, all the time in a bike race, isn't there? You, they're flying down the Pyrenees in a week mm-hmm. <laughs> on tight left-handers <laughs> at, at, at faster speed. Yeah. So it's just that you had a peloton together and there's a number of elements. And, and maybe there were one or two riders that actually rode like idiots yesterday, but it wasn't Jack or it wasn't the other, some of the other guys who crashed. But there was one or two idiots who actually maybe need to learn something from it. So I think it's really hard to have a strong opinion on you know, who, who's accountable, I think. But um, if I'm just putting this one here and then we talk about the crash for Caleb after that, because I think it's a different uh, part of the race. Up to here, up to the crash with Jack Haig, if, let's say, the organization say, okay, well, on, on certain stages, when we know the finish is tight, when we know the conditions are not good, it's rainy, it's wet, you know, it's, it's dangerous, it's slippery, could the organi- organization say, okay, we know it's going to be a spring finish, the way the stage is, is shaping, we neutralize the time for the bunch, 5K from the finish, then we let the, we let the big boys from the sprint yeah. battle it out for the stage win. So you get two races in one, and then therefore there's a lot less panic in the peloton to arrive to a certain stage because they might lose time. They, they, yeah. It's a dangerous finish. They want to be at the front, yeah. but not too much at the front. It's a good, yeah. It's a really good point because then you then you remove that stress. The un- the only thing with it, and this is where how do you how do you get it right? Because let's say they do that. Let's say they say, okay, well, and it, look, at the end of the day, that, that descent was starting at seven kilometres to yep. go. So at seven kilometres to go, they were starting to sort of... So let's say they said five kilometres, though, for, the, for, the, for argument's sake. Do you suddenly get a lot of GC guys sitting up and, you know, do you get suddenly 30 or 40 guys just sitting up and, and rolling in because they, they're allowed to? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if we want to see that either. Um, 
So I don't know what the right answer is because you suddenly then every stage five kilometres to go, you'll get 40 guys just put it, dropping the clutch in and rolling in. I'm not saying every... Because they go, we don't need to risk it. But, but the, like my, my point being, it doesn't have to be preset. It's something they probably can do during the race and they go, oh, okay, it's now raining there or it's getting... They all have, they all have an earpiece. True. Yeah, that's true. Look, and maybe it, maybe it needs to be a decision on the fly, but then you sort of say, well, if you're going to do it on the fly, you should do it. It should be communicated beforehand because you know the circuit. It's a tough one. But you, you, might, tough one. you might not know the condition. You might not no, know, the okay, it's raining, it's windy yeah, or whatever. That is true. Uh, and that then, is you true. know, they, they've st- like, we've seen it before. They stop racing because there's a mudslide. Uh, well, can we treat those elements a bit differently and say, yeah, we judge the finish too risky? We knew the finish was going to be risky. Mm. Uh, everyone was worried about that last corner where Caleb crashed, which yeah. we'll, go, we'll go into a minute. So because everyone knew that last corner was very tight, therefore everyone wanted to be yeah. closer to the front. I mean, look, I think... Um when there's no easy part solution, just say, no. And part of me just says it's just got to stay status quo. And I'm not. And I'm not trying to say bad luck. Bad luck, boys, toughen up. Not at all. But it is just the nature of the, the sport, and it's the nature of what's at stake. Because I think you start doing that, then suddenly there'll be another rule, or then there'll be you know, well, you made it five kilometres, but the worst, the dangerous, all the dangerous bits were at twenty kilometres to go. So then, how do you? You know, and then they're fighting from 20 kilometres to go to 10 kilometres to go because they know, okay, I've still got to make it from 20k to go to yeah. 10k to go. So I don't know if there's a... I see what you're saying and, and it, absolutely, I sort of agree with you in theory, but I just don't know if we need to start, if we should start and, and, doing that. And and if they do, we probably would be the first one to say UCI is over-regulating the thing. Yeah, yeah, so that's right, exactly that. <laughs> that's what yeah. we do anytime. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one of the, by the way, one of the funniest tweets I've seen uh, in the whole thing, and it was sent to me by uh, by Kino, is a guy that said, yeah, I've rewatched the crash and that's okay. Everyone, everyone sucks height. Ah, really good. Yes, <laughs> I saw that. It was one of the writers. Yeah. I think it was Julian Bernard. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think Julian. it was Jean-Francois, uh, the son of Jean-Francois. So, brilliant. That's, that was uh, just some up. But, uh, it, <laughs> In in a way, so nothing was uh, to blame for those crashes. Also, quick discussion before we hear from Caleb and mm. we hear, hear about the crash, and we'll have actually, uh, we'll hear from Caleb's mouth what happened mm. uh, in, in this podcast. But quick discussion about the technology. Uh, I've heard in a lot of the co- some of the coverage that, uh, and not the Aussie coverage, but some other coverage in France, they were saying as well, technology plays its part on a crash like the Roglic one. Or in what the, way? The, well, bikes could be too rigid. It gives you less way. Uh, it sort of ejects you straight away if you make a mistake. Do you believe in this or not? Categorically, 100% no. Okay, that's no. the answer. <laughs> yeah, no. no Is I that think, two old guys rumbling? Yeah, two old guys <laughs> rumbling. Two old school blokes. Like... Tell me 20 years ago, the steel bikes weren't rigid. <laughs> We're talking steel, <laughs> steel welded together to extreme strength. No, look, not, no, look, it's a, I don't even know if it is a fair question and I'm, I'm not trying to jump. You can be no, you can be no, I'm just throwing no, you here. But yeah, no, I, I think now the bikes are so responsive and in fact, in a lot of ways, they're actually way better, they, they're probably potentially save crashes in some instances because they're so rigid. When you've got a Peloton 200 riders on a four-metre-wide road all fighting for front position, it doesn't matter what you're riding. Crashes are going to happen. Yeah. That's, yeah, I think, I think we need to strip it away and look at the facts, you know, and the facts are what I just said. 
Okay, let's talk about uh, the ultimate crush, uh, Caleb in the last corner. I'm going to let you unpack this crush because from your point of view, what happened? I don't think there is a clear culprit, but there is someone that is a foot and he may actually be Caleb. Yeah, look, I've we've obviously watched it, seen it a couple of times. I haven't, I feel like I almost need to need a refresher just to look at it right now as we speak, but all I'll say is, is again, it's sprinting. It's we see crashes in sprints all the time, so it's it's almost normal, and it's part of the job as of being a sprinter that you're at risk. Um, they came around that sort of that little dog leg in the last couple of hundred meters. Caleb tried to move up. He he sort of got himself underneath and came up underneath sort of Sagan on memory, and then he got himself onto the wheel of Merlier, who ended up becoming the, the winner of the stage and then what happened I think Muller got out of the saddle or he went to jump and Caleb's sort of slightly overlapping the wheel uh, Muller's back wheel and he was balanced the other way he hit Muller's wheel and that was it that was the crash but don't you think Sagan was boxing him in a bit like if you Sagan look at the footage was already, Sagan was sort of already yeah he probably moved a little bit Sagan but remember he was in front of Caleb sort of 50 metres before that. Mm-hmm. And then Caleb did come up underneath him. And he didn't do anything illegal, Caleb, but he did come up underneath Sagan. There was a gap there, so he took it. And we know this is what Caleb but, but is when, really good But when at. this works, this is why we love Caleb. Oh, exactly. This is the and thing. And look, it, it, was, and it was two inches away from working. Mm-hmm. If, Ca- if Caleb had not have touched the wheel of Muller, potentially would have won the stage. That, that is, that's the difference. You know, that's how close he was to winning Yet now his tour is over. That, yeah. That's the, the brutality of the sport. And you've just got to take it on the chin. But I think that's all that really happened. And it was, you know, oh, gee, it's, it's harsh to say an error by Caleb. But, you know, the name of the game, he's, sit, he's sitting an inch off Mueller's wheel. At 80 kilometres an hour. Yeah, at close to 80 kilometres an hour. Try so just was, driving yeah, your so car. Was, no, don't try it. <laughs> but don't imagine try. driving your car at 80 an hour, yeah, an inch yeah. from the, the yeah. next car. It's, so it's not really a mistake or an error. It's just it's just the um, that it's the nature of the game. Um, and Caleb is possibly a better bike handler than anyone at the moment yeah. in, in those bunch sprints. Let's listen from Caleb Ewan. Oh, I don't remember too much. Um, it all happened quite quickly, but... Uh, yeah, I just remember that I wanted to go quite early um, in the chicane, but uh, yeah, I started and we were on, we were, we were riding or we were sprinting on the left, and then I started and then saw that the the guys on the front were closing to the right, so then I had to stop sprinting um, and then hope for it to open up again. But I think when all that happened, then I came next to to Peter, and then we were quite close together on the on the wheel, and then when Merlier went again to the right then I just uh, yeah touched the wheel and then um, yeah went down so it all happened quite quickly you knew immediately to the France is over usually when you crash at first you don't feel so much you know the adrenaline's there and but straight away I, I felt a lot of pain and um, and then yeah they were, they were pressing on my collarbone and I could feel it like clicking so I thought you know it's not good is it a nice fracture? Um, to be honest, I'm not sure. It's the first bone I've ever broken, but they told me it's um, broken in four spots. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, to be honest, 
too much of the details, but yeah, they said it's broken in four spots, and then I had to get some yeah, surgery on it to to put it back into place. But I think out of any bone to be broken, I think it's uh, yeah one of the good ones or one of the ones that's easiest to come back, uh, you know, recovery wise. So there was Caleb Ewan. An- another. Uh, he sounded all right. Yeah, he sounds okay. Like, like, considering collab- what's co- happened. Collabone, four places. Mm. Uh, the reporter is getting um, operated on, on Wednesday. And you know what else? If I can say a, sh- a silver lining, and I know it's it's not really, but he'll be lining up at the Vuelta. Yeah. And he probably was going to anyway, but we, we've got the Vuelta. We watched the Vuelta. So for all you fans, Aussie fans out there, we'll, we'll be seeing Caleb... Um, on the screens again uh, before the year's out, which is which is good. Yeah, absolutely. A quick, just a quick remark here as well. Have you seen how Sagan doesn't lift his hand from the handlebar? His hand stay on the handlebar from the crash <laughs> on I the think road. I did see he, that. He's yes. holding the bike like. He, he was probably thinking he could get it back up. Yeah, well, I think he was trying. <laughs> I think he was trying. <laughs> he's tough. He's, he's tough. <laughs> you know what else I heard? And actually, this came, I believe, from Lotto Sudal. Sagan went back to his, got back to the bus, sent someone from his team to Lotto Sudal to check up on Caleb. Yeah, okay. And to see how he is and send his wishes. Like, Caleb, you can argue that Caleb brought down Sagan, mm-hmm. okay, in that crash. And, and again, no, no one's fault, but that's, that's what unfolded. Sagan sent someone to, to check on Caleb. Yeah, that that is that's the class of Peter Sagan. Yeah, you know, and what what I do see is a general respect amongst the stars, isn't there? There's there's a real respect. Well, there was an era where there wasn't really no, any respect. No, totally. Or there was there was certainly factions. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like there's a there's a more united mm-hmm. front with the riders. Um, yeah. So all in all, uh, what do you make of that race? What do you make of that stage? Uh, one thing I want to talk about is um, uh, Michael Matthews, uh, because Michael Matthews didn't have a great stage. I think he got caught out in the crash, and so he lost a bunch of time. Yeah. But in the competition for the, the sprints, mm-hmm. therefore, Michael Matthews and the green jersey becomes our last hope anyway, but it's opening up for it's him. It's well and truly alive. Yeah. This is, as we know, and I'm stating the obvious, but the green jersey is a marathon. It's not won or lost in three days or three sprint stages. Well, it could be lost in one sprint. But it can if you, yeah, like say for like Caleb's. Caleb, yeah. yeah. However, again, cast our minds back to when Michael won the green. And remember, it was falling out of his grasp. Um, Kittle had won a bunch of stages yeah. and he had a massive lead. Suddenly, one not even mountain stage, Kittle was in trouble um, physically. He was mm-hmm. struggling. Michael got in the break. Kittle was getting dropped from the peloton and then suddenly Kittle withdrew from the race. He was gone. Suddenly Michael was in the green in an instant and then he defended it and, and rode like a champion. I think he went on to win a stage and then you know won the green comfortably in the end. So Michael needs to draw on that. He actually needs to remind himself, and I'm sure he is, but he needs, and the team I'm sure is Matt White and, and he's the guys that are sort of focusing within the team on the green jersey hunt. Michael is absolutely well within striking distance of winning that. Yeah, um, he, he didn't have a good stage yesterday. Let's listen mm. from him. Yeah, um, I guess the, start, the final basically started from um, after the intermediate sprint um, with quite narrow, twisty roads. And then, yeah, we came into the 5K to go. We 
I think everyone knew about this certain corner where the crash ended up happening. Um, so it obviously put a bit of stress in the peloton for everyone to, wanting to be further forward um, into that corner. And yeah, there was a massive crash. I'm not exactly sure what happened. I was just behind it. But um, yeah, that sort of wrecked wrecked my race because I was stuck in between uh, the front group and the, and the peloton by myself trying to chase back across. So yeah, from uh, and then I come across and there was another crash in the final there. So acceptable. That was Michael Matthews. But you're right. Is 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 our only hope for yeah. Australia to get a green jersey. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, do you think he could do it? Yeah, totally. Totally can. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got a lot of confidence in him. And you've only got to look at the leaderboard. The guys above him, a couple of them aren't green jersey contenders. They're just by default, like like uh, Alaphilippe. You know, Alaphilippe what do you is, mean? He's not going <laughs> for the green jersey. Come on, mate. What? How much, what are you, you're getting greedy. What do you want? <laughs> How much do you want? Mate, he surprised us so many times that maybe we don't know he's going for the oh, ring. Oh, you don't know. You don't know. <laughs> no, we know he's not. Um, uh, but someone we haven't mentioned, Merlier. He actually won the stage. Oh, yeah. He's, at the minute, yeah. we're unpacking drama. But yeah. Well done, mate. Well done to you. Anyway, <laughs> moving right along. Pat, pat, pat on the back. You're good. No, but uh, uh, Alpacin Phoenix, two, uh, three days in, two stage wins. They've smashed it. They are, let's remember that they are a wild card at this Tour of the France. Yeah. They're not a world tour team. And... And they and Vanderpool, the work Vanderpool did for Merlier, and beautiful. Was, and and so Vanderpool is on the front, three kilometers to go, absolutely carving it up in yellow, in yellow. Like this is class. this is rare, rare, yeah, rare class. and class. Vanderpool finishes top ten, I think, on the stage yeah. still. Alperson Phoenix, not first, not only first, but first and second. Mm-hmm. So they're first and second on the stage with Phillips and their two sprinters. Uh, they are killing it. But Van der Poel, again, uh, second day in yellow. That was his first day in yellow ever. Mm. We talked a, a lot about it. But uh, second day in yellow today. Um, he's keeping this jersey. He, he might actually keep it for a little while now. He'll he keep could. it to the TT. He'll keep it to the TT in yeah, individual the, time trial. The boy can do stuff in TT probably. He can. And look, he could pull off an Philippe in, in Poe a couple of years ago when we said, well, there's no way he'll win the TT. But he might He might hold the jersey and then he goes out and wins it. Um yeah, look, no, it's impressive. It's impressive. I'm just, I'm actually just looking at the stage result, and I think there's a couple of other notable mentions we should say. Nasser Buhani yeah. in third. Good, big ride for him. Guess who was sixth on the stage? Alaphilippe. Alaphilippe. Oh, yeah, I know that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sixth on the stage. But the, the, so the, f- the funny one with, with Alaphilippe as well, which we, we now can talk about, is Cavendish was nowhere near. Cavendish got caught out in the crashes. Yeah. So therefore, Alaphilippe had no work to be doing for any other of his sprinters. Yeah. And everything fall off. He's in green. He just went, I might as well go for it. Well, the I other thing actually, so they had they did have Ballerini up there from de Koenig. So, I mean, they salvaged something out of the, the sprint stage without Cavendish, yeah. didn't they? But Cavendish, it's a shame we haven't seen him in that bunch sprint. He got caught out in this. Uh, yeah. in this so it's not none of his fault. I think we were all expecting or very curious to see what what he, he can, can do what he can do yeah. at, in the Tour de France so you know we'll have, what I we'll am happy and I know it's it's terrible because we've lost Caleb and, and 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 you know other riders but I'm happy Cav didn't crash out yeah I mean I, I don't want anyone to crash out um but you know and I wish Caleb didn't either but obviously but I'm just happy because that could have ended Cav's career yeah. as in that he's at the end of his career we know that now he's in the twilight of his career so I'm glad he survived. And look, maybe maybe he'll bring some joy to cycling fans. Maybe he'll get a stage win yeah. now moving forward. Absolutely. Okay, let's look ahead about the, the stage tonight. 
it's flat as this pancake. It's pancake again. Is it? Yeah, uh, crap flat. Yeah, and and we about to leave Brittany. Oh wow! Okay. Last, last day in Brittany. Yeah, yeah, four days. Success. Yeah. Whoa. Mad by crashes. Entertaining. But entertaining. I think it's given us... Plenty to talk about, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, this this tour, this opening week of the tour will be remembered by the crashes. And really, yesterday, yes, but also those two massive massive crashes on day one. With Um, OP and Omni. Yeah. 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 So what do you make of the stage tonight? Look, it's another day for the sprinters. And, you know, for the the guys that... Look, it's interesting because I didn't think Tim Miller would be a chance last No, because night. he got cut out in the crashes he, before. He crashed, yeah, yeah. He actually crashed, so I thought he'd be licking his wounds still. So he's already bounced back. I think you've got to give Nasser Buhani a chance. I think you have to give Cavendish a chance. I think if they get a, if they get a clean run to the line, Cav is absolutely in the mix. And I think, well, Sagan, we'll see how he bounces back because he's hit the deck hard. I haven't heard too much or I haven't read too much about him. But it'll be the usual suspects. And then the big question mark is, I just wonder if it'll be a little bit more tame. I wonder if the peloton will have a little bit of a general truce and go, you know, let's come on. The sprinters get frustrated, I know this, with the GC guys on the run into the line. Really? Yes. Because they're in the mix? Yes, and they know they know why they've got to be there because this three-kilometre rule. But I do know sprinters at times get annoyed at GC guys because they're trying to box in the top 10. They're saying, you've got to sit back just behind us. Yeah. And But then the GC guys go, no, because that's the, where the chaos is. <laughs> I need to sit in the top seven. I'm not trying to sprint you or fight you for wheels. So this is this is how it unfolds. Goes back to my point. Goes back to my point. If we move yeah. that sort of time cut before... Yeah. Yeah. You're not convinced, okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not convinced. Yeah, I'm shaking my head. Yeah. yeah, okay. So yeah, I think it could be a good stage tonight because the, the the cards have been reshuffled. Yeah, they have. They have. No, it's going to be. Look, it's going to be an exciting one. And then just on the GC battle, there won't be a GC battle. But look, Carapaz. Just to recap, Carapaz is third now. Remember yesterday, I texted you going, "Whoa, Carapaz is actually third mm. by surprise." You yeah. just go, "He's now the arch leader of Ineos." Yeah. Oh, and, is he? And he's at, well, look, he's ahead of Tadej Pogacar. Yeah. He's ahead of Tadej Pogacar. He can climb. Quintana is at 40 seconds. Quintana has survived all of this so far. For a little, you know, natural um, climbing Colombian, you would have thought he'd get caught up in one of these crashes. He has survived. Do not write off Quintana. Gordou has survived. He's at 52 seconds. So too has Chavez. Like... We've barely talked about Chavez. Yeah. It, hello, second in the Giro d'Italia, third at the Vuelta. He's podiumed in two Grand Tours. Chavez is in a good position. And actually, if you have time, just take a, a minute to have a look at the top ten. Yeah. Uh, if you, because there, there are some surprises. You're right. If you look at the time gaps, and yeah, I don't think anyone could have predicted that top ten if we would have asked you three or four days ago before the start. No, it's true. Absolutely correct. You, there's there's guys in there that you would not. Yeah, you would not think. Do you know what it does? It opens up the Tour de France. It does. It a does. Lot. And and look, Roglic, for the record, he's at 135. So he... Too much? No, 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 not at all. Not at all. I mean, you know, barring... Look look at look at um, last year, Tadai Pagachar lost at 1 minute 20 in the crosswinds. So there's a lot can happen. There is a lot that can unfold. Roglic could produce a phenomenal type TT in two days' time and pull back 30 seconds. It's not ideal. 
um, but it's not over. It is far from over. Absolutely. Don't tune out. Tune in to, to the front because <laughs> yes. this is where it becomes very interesting. Uh, thanks for your time, Maca, today. Thank you. Jeez, I need, yeah. I need to lie down after all that. I need another coffee. Yeah, yeah, me too. Absolutely. Thank you, Maka. Thank you. This was the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast. And uh, before we go, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until next time, it's bye for now. Before we go, a quick word from our sponsor, Zwift. When I walk into the commentary box and Matthew Vanderpool is on the start list, I know I'm going to have some fun. And when it comes to doing an interview, there are none better than Tour de France winner Garant Thomas. Like many of the riders at the Tour, both of them use Zwift as part of their training. They've even done a few races on Zwift, and you can too. There are races for all levels with new events starting every five minutes. And thanks to the massive online community, there's always someone to line up against. Choose from a group ride, a road race, test yourself in an individual time trial, or dive into the Fun Is Fast series across the duration of the TDF for a real mix of events. I've had a lot of fun doing some of the races and gotten a real sense of accomplishment completing some of the Grand Fondos, particularly the long ones. It's easy to get started. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Visit Zwift.com, and hopefully I'll see you on there soon. Ride on.